This is Archive Atlanta, episode 204, Hippies. You're listening to Archive Atlanta, a history podcast where each week I'll be sharing a story about the people, places, and events that shape the history of the city of Atlanta. I'm your host, local tour guide, and total history nerd, Victoria Lemos. Hey everyone, happy Friday. So this week we're talking about Atlanta's original hippie community of the 1960s. When they arrived, who they were, the businesses that they started and patronized, the clashes with government and local police, and the community's eventual demise. There are different viewpoints on the etymology of the word hippie, but most scholars agree it's from the turn of the 20th century when the words hip and hep, H-E-P, were used as slang to mean aware or in the know. By the 1940s, it had entered the African-American lexicon where hip meant sophisticated or fashionable. The beat generation of the 1950s adopted the word hip, and then the 1960s hippies inherited that language and culture from that post-World War II movement. Atlanta had the largest hip community in the South, which started with religious-oriented pacifist group like the Quakers and the Women's International League for Peace and Freedom, just to name a few. Our hippie culture was centered around a very specific area of Midtown called The Strip. The original boundaries were one block of Peachtree between 10th and 11th, and eventually expanded to include the area between 8th and 15th Streets. And I want to back up slightly and talk about how a place often carries a vibe with it throughout time. I've said this in many episodes before, always shouting out a few friends here. So one of them, of course, is Anne, who taught me that the land never forgets. And my friend Amanda, who has an IG um, like mine, but based in LA. And she talks about how like a lot of Hollywood Hills mansions that she researches have like the same type of owner throughout the years, like the same kind of character, you know, from the 20s to the 90s. And then another friend, Jessica, who wrote a thesis on Midtown, I beg her at least once a year to lift the embargo on that and then record an episode with me, but still hanging in there for that. All of that to say that Midtown Atlanta is extremely interesting from a land perspective. It was considered OTP before Atlanta expanded. It's where the Irish travelers camped. It's where the fortune tellers lived. Um, it, part of it was called tight squeeze and described as being lined with shanties. And I think that that spirit has kind of held over time. And it being where the hippie community of the 1960s congregated was really no accident. By the start of the 1960s, the area was marketed as Uptown, and it boasted proximity to the Atlanta College of Art, which would eventually become SCAD, and the new Atlanta Memorial Arts Center that opened in 1963. When Ansley Mall opened in 1964, it really drew commerce away from the area, coupled with a lot of families moving out to more suburban neighborhoods. By 1965, the hippie movement in Atlanta had gotten off to a slow start. The amount of colleges and universities contributed greatly to the anti-Vietnam movements, mostly centered here at Emory. By 1966, the city had established the Atlanta Peace Center, and then that same year, city officials claimed that there were two to 300 hippies in the city, mostly under the age of 18. In this episode, I'm going to cover a handful of businesses um, and people that really highlighted this time in history. The Mandorla Gallery was opened first in a house at the corner of 14th and Peachtree by David Braden and Catherine Palmer. Palmer had just arrived in Atlanta where she met Braden, who was an art model at the time. She worked at a bar at night and together the two renovated a space for their art gallery. In late 1966, they moved into a larger house on the same corner, and they also purchased a 1950 Cadillac hearse that became a mobile art gallery. 
Now, while their gallery space was on the first floor, the pair opened the Catacombs Coffee Shop and Music Club in the basement in 1967. David Braden also began renting out rooms in the upper floors to young hippies arriving in Atlanta, and he really emerges as like this hippie community figurehead. Um, He was often called Mother David. In 1966, a young Methodist reverend, Bruce Donnelly, began operating a coffee house slash meeting space in the basement of Grace Methodist Church. The 12th Gate Coffee House, as it became called, eventually moved to 10th Street and reportedly attracted suburban hippies. Reverend Donnelly would hold church services on Sunday, and the rest of the week it was a coffee house. Now, with the help of a doctor, I think Hertel was his name, from Rock Springs Presbyterian, 12th Gate also started a free clinic. By 1967, Atlanta's hippie community was growing and the population was largely seasonal. It would swell by 100 to 500 in the summer and then would quiet down in the winter. Local press said that we only had 50 quote-unquote real hippies in Atlanta and that the rest were quote-unquote plastic hippies. And this meant that they would drop out after a few days um, or was also a term for like hippies in training. Real hippies, according to these definitions, had a total break with straight society, and some of them used Atlanta as a stopover on their way to San Francisco or New York City. Plastic or suburban hippies, these were kids that maybe lived in the suburbs and they would just come to Atlanta for the weekend and kind of live this temporary hippie lifestyle. The Atlanta Constitution ran a full-page report on the hippies, sending three reporters to the Strip to investigate their hangouts and happenings. In 1967, two head shops opened, Morning Glory Seed on West Peachtree, um, Atlanta's first, and then Middle Earth opened on 8th Street. Miss Porter Dunaway operated Morning Glory and also acted as hippie political organizer, protesting for basic rights against Georgia's governor at the time, Maddox, um, and Bo Lozoff, if I said that right, opened Middle Earth in November, and he sold posters, button, love beads, water pipes, jewelry, records, clothing, and alternative publications. Government crackdowns through the use of police and code enforcement began in earnest in 1967. In July, Catacombs was forced to close for code violations. In August, police raided a hippie house near Piedmont Park and charged the owner with operating a dive. In November, 24 hippies, including Mother David, were arrested like in mass. The Morning Glory seed closed after police arrested two employees in 1968. And a lot of these arrests were minor infringements, like having a joint on you. But the ulterior motive was to shut down the Strip and its community. Braden was arrested again in March of 1968 for selling marijuana, placed in solitary confinement until his trial, and he was eventually sentenced to seven years. In the summer of 1968, the catacombs was purchased and closed, By 1969, Mayor Ivan Allen had made his first visit to Hippie Land, as it was described in the press, and his visit was really because of complaints from business owners. And so they had come to the city of Atlanta um, and they said, you know, the presence of hippies is harming our businesses. Almost immediately after these complaints, the Atlanta police chief at the time launched a big crackdown on the entire hippie population. Atlantis Rising had opened in 1969, and it was a co-op business and like part recreation center on Peachtree Street across from the Federal Reserve. 
Danny Cochran and Chuck Monroe provided startup loans to people who had businesses and they also had a stage in the parking lot behind the store for local concerts. It really became the communications center for the hippie community of the late 60s. In September of 1969, it was firebombed. This is really seen as like the kind of the nail in the coffin, so to speak, on pushback from the hippie community. To move forward to about a week later, there is a free concert in Piedmont Park on September 21st, 1969, with about 1,000 to 1,500 people. Police are also on site. They're surrounding the concert area, kind of intermingling with the crowd. And I can't remember the exact situation. I think there were some interactions between hippies and officers. And then, for lack of a better term, all hell breaks loose. Police began firing tear gas canisters into the crowd. The concert goers are picking them back up and throwing them back at the police officers. They're also throwing rocks and cans, um, glass bottles. And I'm really glancing over this very important civil disobedience history in Atlanta. But, you know, this is a mini episode after all. Um, And the Piedmont Park hippie riot really signals the beginning of the end for Atlanta's hippie community. By 1973, hippie culture across the country had waned because we are kind of in a post-Vietnam era um, and it's just moving out of fashion. So there you have it, the short story of Atlanta's hippie community of the late 1960s. Thank you everyone for listening. Remember to leave a rating and or a review wherever you listen to your podcast. You can also visit the Patreon link in the show notes and hope everyone has a great weekend. I'll talk to you next week.